Last time on the lands of Yalisha. Zaya pulls out her spellbook. The book glows in her hands. The letters move to reveal a message. Go back. Look into the pit. You cannot let it fall into their hands. You did well, Zaya says to Sanka as she lands on her outstretched arm. Real good. The kid thinks Darwin did it all. But he did, Sanka said. Now where's my baby? At the mine, Jace runs off ahead. The kobolds and Darwin... The kobolds that Darwin and Zaya took out originally lay this way and that. He climbs down into the crevice where he and his team were mining. He was down for just a moment before pulling up a metallic case, covered with runes and symbols very few Zaya was familiar with. What's that? Darwin asked Zaya. We'll have to ask Eli, she says. Well now, it looks like our heroes have no idea what's going on. But do you? What's in the box? Now I want to know. Find out on the lands of Yalisha. Zaya casts her light spell to let everyone just see that much better. Jace looks around, down the corridors. There is no sound. No monsters right now. And as he makes sure the equipment he and his team are back where they need to be, Darwin squats down and examines the box. He asks if Zaya knows what the words say, but she shakes her head no. Darwin shakes the box, tries to kick the lock, swings his axe at it. Nothing will open it. Zaya casts another spell to see if her magic can unlock the chest, or at least to see inside. But there's no success on either spell. Lev sits calmly just behind Zaya. It's clear that this has been too much for him. The fires that are normally all over his body as part of a glow have subsided. He is back to just his little rock form. The less he moves, the more it appears that he blends into the background. From down in the crevice... Jace is talking, tossing up picks and shovels and explosives that he and his team have brought out. He keeps talking about how no one will believe this. A minotaur? All of those kobolds? How did they get down here? And as if he comes up, he points at the box. And that thing shouldn't be down here. I mean, it's not even from the mountain. And then he looks around. Or maybe it is, he says. He just doesn't stop talking. 
Zaya sits with some effort. She used too many spells for the day and is feeling the effect now. As she tries to put the head back, the hood back on Sanka's head, Sanka struggles against it. The hood is too good for the bird, but going into the dark and back into the light and back into the dark is not good for the eyes of the precise hunter. She, should get, she could get spooked. She could see something small and dart off, and it would take ages to bring her back. As much as the bird is magic, the bird is also a bird and wants to get out to explore and be that bird of prey. Zaya pulls out her spell book and rereads the passage. She flips through a few more pages, hoping that it, more would be shown. She lines up the runes on the box with the lettering inside her book. Whatever or whoever wrote the message inside her spell book, from whatever magical plane they came from, uses the same letters, the same runes. She flashes the book to Darwin who doesn't have enough time to look at it before Jace is all over him, all over the box, asking what's inside, to see if Darwin can open it. Zaya slides her spellbook away and back into her pocket. She talks to Senka and Dragonian as to not let the others in on what she's saying. The slips of her words get lost on Jace, who isn't really paying attention to her anyway. And after the group rests for a while, they get up and start to leave. Jace and Darvin are waiting for her. She knows she should rest much longer, but there really is no resting in the dark. You either sleep to avoid it, or you become part of it. And down here, you can't really do either. She struggles to her feet and starts walking back up the path. When they reach the lift, Darvin asks Jace to go find the mind comptroller, the woman they call Salem tell her what they had encountered, and to have her find someone to go into the depths to clean up the kobolds and minotaur. Salem has the kind of power that everyone fears and everyone wants. She's the one in charge. She's the one that pays Darvin and Zaya for their work. She's the one that gets to tell them what to do. They don't want to be on the team to go find the small tunnel the kobolds had to, had to have dug to get into the mountain because they certainly didn't use the mining lift from the center of camp. And they definitely didn't want to be on the team that had to go pick up splattered kobold or minotaur from the bottom of the depths. Once they reach the top, Jace is off and running. Darvin grabs a bench for Zaya to sit on. He puts the rune chest next to her and starts to clean his axe with some oil and mesh. We always make a pretty all right team, he says. We probably could have done them a lot quicker if that boy wasn't there. Sure, sure, Zaya says, knowing where this is going. She doesn't want him to say it, but it's good to be recognized. And I'm certain that, and with that, Jace comes around the corner, and Darwin has to change the tone of his voice. He has to change what he was going to say. Certain that without my focus and strength and the power from above, I, no, you all would have been smashed. But luckily for us all, there is no foe that can best Darwin. What did I tell you, Jay said to Salem? Darwin saved the day. <coughs> hey, hi there. Hi, how's it going? It's me, Mr. McGee, your teacher, your friend, and your accent master. 
Well, I'll get better at that. I don't know what all to say on that one. We'll get better though. Uh, so some things here. Um, do you think it's right for Zaya to help Darwin lie about who he is? I mean, what does that tell you about Zaya? Even if she tricked Jace a few times in the cave, because that's really who she is. Are those smaller tricks less damaging than Darwin's big trick? What does it say about how she feels about people? And Darwin really wants to open that chest. I mean, he kept sneaking, trying to pry it open with his axe. Um... I'm curious on why. Zaya carries around with her a little spell book in, you know, one of her pockets. And that, that was the, the book that when she opened, you know, she writes her own spells in there. But when she opened it down in the cave, that mysterious message popped into it. Uh, and then, right before the Minotaur showed up, some of the words changed into a language she can read. You guys remember that? I told her to go back and find the box. We have to assume that the words in the book are connected to the chest, but we're not quite sure how yet. And Senka, the bird. We can see that the bird is a bit magic. It was able to kind of grow in the light to scare the Minotaur. It has some of the spells and abilities that Senka, uh, that Lev, uh, Zaya can do. And for that matter, Lev is magic too, despite being invisible to anybody but Zaya. We're going to see shortly how um, uh, Zaya feels about the two of them. We're also going to be introduced to more characters real soon. Permanent type characters that are going to be around a lot more often than um, Jace or Salem or Eli or any of the other ones. Uh, Joe's coming up in just a few moments. I have plans for Sahasra and Nyla as well. Uh, also, I made a correction to the first part, changing the color of Zaya's scales slightly. It's not a mistake. She's now going to be a little orangish. Um, that's done for like a storytelling purpose. And there's more reasons to it, and I'll tell you about it more later. But if you are drawing pictures of her, and I think somebody said they were going to, Z-E-A, Zaya, um, make her orange, not green. Uh, and she is a dragon, so think of it like a dragon person. Uh, I'm going to start drawing some of these pictures too to give you guys some images on what this looks like. Uh, but anyway, if you have any questions or comments about the story, put it in my mailbox in the front of the room, along, along with the shoutouts. I'd love to see you guys, what you guys picture this. There's a few of you that I know that are listening to this all the time, and I actually have some rewards kind of lined up for you guys about that, because I put a lot of time in on this, and it's good to know that some of you really appreciate and like the story. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get back to the story, and I'll talk to you guys later. There is some magic in Salem's family. You can see it in her fingers, crackling down. Perhaps she was never trained, but Zaya is certain that there's magic there. That kind of raw ability can be used in so many ways. And for Salem, she uses it to manage the mine for the royal court. She invites him into her office, but asks Zaya to leave her bird outside. Salem pays the bills, so she makes the rules. Zaya apologizes softly to Sanka and leaves him on one of the posts. And she casts a spell on him to not let him go of that post unless it is her that lets him loose. His claws brighten and tighten with magic as he roots to that post. Not even Darwin would be able to pull the bird off the, wood, the wooden post now. 
But all in all, Zaya doesn't mind Salem. She treats her better than most of the others in the mine. The young ones like Jace, who come from far outside the city, haven't seen Dragonborns much, if at all, and treat Zaya with a quiet reverence. But she knows that children are still told bedtime stories about goblins and kobolds taking away naughty children, and the really scary ones involve Emperor, Slaw, and Dragon people coming back to eat you. Salem is tough to the people of the mine because she has to be. Zaya knows this, and she can tell these things. She can tell that she knew if she knew Salem first, outside of the mines, outside of this job, she would be a very different person than the one that needs to follow all the rules. After Darwin gave the details of what happened down there and showed the box to Salem, she told the two of them to go get some rest. Go out and get a good meal, she said. Red Dragon, Darwin says. Zaya nods. They know the owner there. He's a good guy who also doesn't care that Zaya is dragonborn, so long as Zaya can continue to pay. But what he really cares about, they don't know. And it really doesn't matter. As they stand to leave, Salem stands with them. She sends Jace back to his room to get some rest. And as Salem leads them to the door, she says to Zaya and Darvin, She'll probably leave the box here. Uh, we had to leave. A, we're going to send a message to the court, and they're going to want to see it. Darwin tells her that absolutely he will, and after she leaves, he looks at Zaya before putting the box under his arm. They head down the streets, closer to the mine, the city is old, like they built the town to huddle against the mountain for warmth and protection. Only later, when they found the real value inside the mountain, did the city start to grow. But in this old part of town, the buildings around the mountain are made of purple clay that's found along the riverbanks. Large walls were made to protect against whatever invaders first came to try to take the wealth away from the mountain. And as you start to get further out of the city, the buildings start becoming wood and proper stone. Joe's Inn, the Red Dragon Inn, is made of a mixture of all three elements, and it fits, being right down to the part that it's nearly in the middle of old and new. What Zaya likes best about this place is how busy it always is. She can come and go without much distraction. Joe sees them come in and puts his hands up, and in a wave, points to one of the tables on the far side. This part of the building is his pub and restaurant. The other side is the end part. The large wraparound bar allows him to go through the doorway and meet people looking to check into the inn on the other side. Another thing Zaya really likes about this place is the menu. It has just three items on it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Joe's new cook is quite good, but very stubborn. He only really makes one dish at a time and makes a lot of it. The old one experimented with a few things, but something about him put him off to Joe. The dinners are never the same. Each is delicious. Barley stews and mushroom pies, roasted meats, breads that were always warm and crisp, that surely there's some kind of magic in use. The last time they were here, Joe started telling him about his new cook and the bard who came with him, but that story never finished. Zaya was certain there was more to it than that. She knows, watching the bard come into the room, that there's a lot more to this bard. And Darwin loves this place for the same reasons, though he rarely eats with Zaya. He comes in a moment after her because he will come in with applause. People here know him, love him, for this adventure or that. He never pays for a meal here, often giving the money that Salem would give the two of them to go out to eat to Zaya anyways. She figures, because it's the spectacle of, the, of it all, that he loves that attention. But 
she's able to make a, little, a couple extra bucks. So where's the wrong there? When the server comes over to give Zaya her food, she asks him to give a message to Eli, the apprentice of the artificer of the city, to have him meet her here. Zaya gives some money that was meant, the money that was meant to pay for Darwin's dinner as payment for the favor. Darwin wouldn't mind. He already has two meals put in front of him from thankful fans, people that he's saved over the years. They're up singing his name around the bar. And the bard takes notice, stands up and picks up her lute. That man brings some kind of joy, Zaya admits. She stops to think if she's jealous. She hates that she has to check regularly. That thought has come to her mind. Since it does, she has, she has to be jealous on some level, right? It's hard for her to rationalize. Zaya didn't notice the little girl come in. But she did notice the girl go through one of the bags left on the ground near Darwin. Zaya has Darwin's pack, but still this girl's caught her interest. Thieves typically aren't so bold or needy or as bad at it as this child is. The bard notices who's in the tavern and readies one of the songs that somebody has written about Darwin. Zaya and starts to sing. Zaya knows the tune. But this, dard, this bard's version of the song is dark and melancholy. And the tune has many of the brash Darwinites, the people that are big devoted fans of Darwin, have a seat. One of the men sat so hard in his seat that it scooted back, right into the girl trying to take his things from his pack. She yelped, and he turned with a scream and pulls out a dagger. Then the girl does something peculiar. She looks around the room and runs behind Zaya. And after a tense moment of hesitation, she shouts to the bar, to the man and his angry friends, to the confused Darwin, to the bard who stopped playing, to the cook who's poked his head out of the kitchen, to the man's dagger that moves between Zaya and the girl. The girl shouts that the dragonborn made her do it. And as if the crowd needed any more reason, they started to close in. Thank you again for listening. Again, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, please write them down and put them in my mailbox. I'm going to continue to add in Scholars of the Week to the story with differing paces and effects. I know I'm a little behind. I have Eli and Salem in and Joe's in here now. Um, Sahastra and Nyla will be coming in very soon, plus whoever's next. 
and I'd love to see what you picture when I listen. This image here of a little girl hiding behind Zaya in a bar with a bunch of angry people coming at them, because we all know that mothers tell their children scary stories of dragons coming to steal them and eat them in the night of dragonborns. So I'm very curious how that picture would, would be playing out in your minds. But anyway, um, I'd love to see what kind of drawings you guys come up with. Otherwise, I'll see you all next time on the lands of Yalisha.